this computer. Okay. So welcome, Jessica, and thank you, thank you, thank you for coming along. I am going to do another intro because we are going to be um, starting in about five minutes, but I just wanted to get recording first. And because um, we've just had a whole 10 minute conversation of yeah. gold, which is really why I wanted you to come on because I've had experience of you um, doing the retreats that we've done. And, you know, I just think those conversations about sex and relationships and love is just really important you know, for everyone to sort of be engaging in having them conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, you, you're going to do the intro later. Do you want to just continue what we were talking about? No. Yeah, let's just continue what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I was saying to Liz that um, my, my theory on women and, and sex, right, is that we should absolutely have all the sex we want. We should never be shamed for it. We should never feel shame for it. It's our divine right to the orgasm, right? Like we should be able to sleep with who we want, when we want, first date, 10th date, whatever, whatever. whatever. Yeah. However, um, and my hard won experience, and when I say my hard won experience is that I've tried, like I've explored all of that. And unfortunately, the way that we still socialize men and women um, and when I say socialize, like the messaging we give them as we grow up about sex mm -hmm. is very different. And, you know, so is, and, and as, as adults as well, I mean, it, if you look at just pornography and sex and movies and, you know, no matter how X-rated or G-rated it is, it's, it's a very different messaging we're giving men vis versus women still. Mm -hmm. And so my hard one experience is, is that on one hand, like giving it, having sex with somebody really quickly, they did usually lose interest really quickly. You know, it wasn't really, it became really obvious that there was, and it's not so much about them getting what they wanted and then leaving. But what I was saying is that one of the main ways that we socialize uh, boys and men uh, for their self-esteem is one through, um, through achievement, right? So sports is geared very much towards trophies and winning games and not that women don't play sports but uh and building things we look at the toys we give little boys versus little girls you know we give them uh construction sets so it's about achievement it's about output but the other main way that we socialize men especially in the arena of sex is about their sexual prowess um you know women don't sit in the locker room and uh everybody takes their pants off and measure the size of their vulva but that's not an uncommon thing, right? For young men, you know, it's, there's a lot of talk about the size of it and this. And also the great example I always give is that if you think back way back when to when we were in school, there was that girl and you might've been that girl and that's fine, who was like the first in their class to have sex. And when everybody found out about it, right? One time, this one girl has sex one time, slag, mm. slut, mm. right? Like well, immediately yeah. that's the response. Now, the guy she had sex with, who it wasn't his first time, he's her, she's her third or fourth partner. He's a stud. Yeah. yeah. So the messaging is so different. So right from a very early state, it's like, this is my output in this area is what is part of the way I validate myself and feel worthiness. And it's, it's unconscious. So when men are able to achieve that sex so quickly, it, it, it gives them that sense of validation, because, but it only lasts equate it to the length of time they had to wait for it is how long it'll last, if that makes sense. Absolute sense. 
Yeah. So the, the, it's, you know, and there's an old phrase, uh, it might be very American and I hate it, but there's a phrase that says, uh, nobody buys the cow when the milk is free. And again, a way, the way that we kind of, um, going back to that slut slag girl and that stud, right. And, you know, baller or whatever you want to call the guy of the same age who have sex is that, you know, if you give it away too freely, then it's valued less. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it should be that way. I, I wish a million times over it wasn't that way, but it is. Yeah. Now, the second thing about what's cool about that, right, or, or where we can find a silver lining, if you will, as I was, Liz and I were talking about, you know, that lead up to the first time you have sex with somebody, you know, the first kisses and the fooling around and the, you know, like there's something unique about the butterflies of that right? The way your stomach flip-flops when they, you know, their hand brushes that one spot, you know, and the will we, won't we, and should I, shouldn't I, and, but that, that kind of, um, there's almost like a, a tantric, if you will, um, sensation of anticipation. Mm-hmm. And I learned that once you have sex with somebody, you can't recreate that same feeling. No. That same heightened level of like, you know, your skin's tingling and, you know, it, so why, why not like extend that as long as you can? Now, I'm not saying that having sex with somebody isn't great. And then, you know, uh, I, my experience is always the first time having sex with somebody for the most part, isn't the greatest. It's you have to learn each other's bodies. So there is room for growth and improvement and wonderful things that happen down the road as you start to have sex with somebody more often. But that period can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. And so draw it out as long, enjoy it by waiting a little bit longer and, you know, keep the fooling around the going a little bit longer before you actually, you know, uh, consummate with that act of having, having penetrative sex. It's how we kind of think of it, you know, mm. why not? Absolutely. I happen to agree. And we're now going to go live people. So <laughs> let me just, that was uh, the pre pre podcast chat. I wish I'd recorded it from the get-go, to be fair, because it was absolute god. So we're going to go live onto Facebook now. So you're going to have to just bear with me because I don't want any feedback. So I'm going to have to make sure. I've already done this beforehand. I always find it a bit fiddly. Yeah, and you know what? This is the first. I mean, I'm going to explain this when we go live. And um, this is the first time that I've been on my own platform doing this. So, in live stream now. You're allowed on Facebook. You just mute Facebook because it will get some feedback. Cool. So. There is going to be a bit of a delay when it goes onto Facebook. It says that we are live. Let me just check on my phone that we are. So there was a little, little bit of a delay. Yeah, we're live on Facebook. So good morning, good morning, good morning to the lovely Jess. And anybody that's watching live, I know some of you is going to be at work, but don't worry, you can catch us on the replay because it's going to stay on my page. And you can also get it on um, a variety of podcast um, platforms such as Spotify. Once I upload it later on today, it's not going to be instant because this is all new. Um, And in terms of this being new, this is the first time I've um, had complete autonomy over the podcast. 
I'm streaming using my own platform um, for the help of one lovely, lovely Wendy. You know who you are. I'm sending you lots of love. She'll probably cringe because I've shouted her out. Um, it was being hosted by a platform called Crossroads um, Podcast UK. Amazing people. Absolutely taught me so much. But it just felt right to, to sort of take some ownership of that. So I'm really blessed and really happy that Jessica, the beautiful Jessica, I love and relationship coach, has agreed to come and do the first show with me where it's all right. So <laughs> good morning, Jess. How are you, how are you coping in this weather? Good morning. Um, I have a fan blowing directly on me. If I could have fans encircling me and one going up my dress, I would. It's the only way to go. <laughs> I've heard of people putting um, sanitary towels in the fridge freezer and then wearing them for their cooch. I've not heard of that. <laughs> you know, all I can say is British people, you could do that or you could just, you know, surrender to air con. Air con. I'm just saying, as an American, the thing I miss most in this country is air con. And I yes. know it's terrible for the environment and I apologize and I will offset my carbon footprint somewhere else, but I cannot melt. Yeah, no. And I'm not going to put a sanitary pad in the freezer. (laughs) I I love the injunity. You know, it's it's, uh, uh, quite innovative. Well, I thought that. I thought it was ingenious. But that's if you wear underwear. And this weather, underwear, (laughs) like a no-no. It's commando all the way. Uh, As long as you've got a pair of shorts on, your cooch is okay. So that's that's my take on that. (laughs) We were having a really interesting conversation, actually, weren't we, before we went live about... Dating, so you're going to feel like you're going to repeat yourself, but hey ho, it's all good. Um, you know, about dating and that, and sort of the realms of sex and where women are in that first sort of date sex and, and where men are. And I find it really interesting your take on that, yeah. So, um, gosh, what were we saying? So, we were talking about uh, you know, sex, and I am very sex positive. Uh, and what that means is, especially for women, right? And, and for men, um, like I believe that women, it's your divine right to the orgasm, you know? And, and uh, we were built in a way to be able to achieve that by whomever, I have no idea, but our design is, right? That we can achieve quite amazing uh, orgasms and sex and that we should be doing it. And we should be doing it. And, and, and hypothetically, I believe, right, you should have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want, first date, 10th date, 20th date, uh, before a single date, I don't care. That's my um, belief. But my hard one experience has been different. And so we were talking about, you know, um, you're dating somebody and then you have sex with them once or twice and all of a sudden they seem to lose interest, uh, especially in heterosexual relationships, right, with men and women. Uh, and my experience, right, is that, uh, and there's a really terrible American saying that I hate, but it's, it's, I, I, it's, it seems to prove itself out, is that nobody buys the milk, if, uh, nobody buys the cow if the milk is free. And through my sexual revolution and exploration, time and time again, uh, it was shown to me that if I had sex with somebody too quickly, it did seem to fizzle the connection and fizzle the relationship. And it's because of the way that we socialize men and women mm-hmm. and the way that we educate men and women around sex uh, specifically, but around a lot of things is very different. And by socialize and educate, uh, I don't necessarily mean in, in school from a teacher, but the messaging that we get um, from as we're growing up 
uh, from our peers, from parents, from carers, uh, from the media, from TV, later in life from pornography and, and, and movies and things like more adult movies and things like that, is that men are socialized to get their self-esteem from one of two areas. And one is achievement. Uh, and that's usually through work or sports and awards and building things. And the other is through sexual proudness. And I was saying to Liz, like, you know, a couple examples of that is that uh, one, uh, women don't uh, tend to have locker room meetups where we drop our pants and everybody measures their vulva and compares them. <laughs> but not an uncommon thing uh, in, in young boys' lives, no. right, is this whole, you know, c- comparison and how that makes you a less or more of a man or less or better than or, or et cetera. Um, in fact, we have the opposite experience where we, we hide that. Yeah. Sometimes to work way older in life, um, you know, there's women who go into changing rooms and, and sneak into the to the stalls to change because the idea of even getting naked in front of other women mm-hmm. that they might catch a glimpse. Right. Very different yeah. messaging about those areas, those specific areas, the genitalia in our lives. Um, and also the other example is that classic, you know, the girl in school, she was the first one in our class to have sex. She had sex once, she lost her virginity, right? Whatever that means. And she's immediately branded a, sl- a slag and any other derogatory term and shamed. And the guy she had sex with, who maybe it wasn't even his first time, this is his third or fourth girl that he's been with, he's the stud, he's celebrated. Uh, and so that kind of carries over into life into adult life, into our adult sexual relationships. And now, I mean, forget about if you add any type of transactional sex experience, sex work experience, uh, abusive sex experience, um, childhood sexual abuse. I mean, add any of that into that already uh, kind of murky waters. And it it can be a real recipe for disastrous and healthy and free thriving sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. So my hard one experience is to wait. Yeah. Uh, And there's no magic number. You know, there's all these theories of like date five or date four or date eight or date 12 or, you know, there's no magic number. It has to feel right for you. Uh, But, you know, there also is, uh, and what I was talking about was that, that period when you're leading up to having sex with someone, and that anticipation and the level of butterflies, you know, the flip-flops of the stomach uh, when you're kissing them for the first time or you're fooling around for the first, will we, won't we, you know, like all of that is creates such a frenetic, uh, intense anticipation type energy <clears throat> that goes once we have sex with someone. Mm-hmm. You never get back that same feeling. So I say, the, the plus of waiting is also extending that, that, that sensation that is quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you can't really replicate that same anticipation feeling of that leading up to the first time you have sex with somebody. So the, the plus is by waiting, you also get to enjoy that period for longer. Mm. So yeah, that was the, that's the. That was the, 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 the catch of what we were talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, do you feel that online dating has kind of um, stumped some of that, you know, that foreplay? Because a lot of that, you know, like the sex texting <clears throat> kind of happens and, mm-hmm. and then that, that actual physical foreplay. And do you think that's been stunted or? 
Yeah, I don't know if it's stunted. I mean, I when I, so you know when I coach women who are out in the wilds of modern dating, um, I've I have a tendency to well, I don't have a tendency. I'm a love coach, so I'm really interested in people who are either in loving relationships and want to make their relationships better or get the relationship out of crisis. Or I work with men and women who are um, single but are looking for serious relationships. And the reality is, is that you know the the sexting right isn't something that I would necessarily recommend because it's already you're already, before you even met this person in real life, you're already um, drawing a direct line to what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It's not really setting it up for a relationship. It's setting it up to meet and have sex, whether that be the first time you meet up or the third time you meet up, you've kind of, that intention is set the moment you start sexting. But that being said, right, sexting, I don't know if it stunts it, but you could actually elongate it as well because sexting is part of that foreplay. Yeah. So but, there's that anticipation of the sexting, right? And then you're going to actually meet this person for the first time. And then, you know, that doesn't mean just because you've done that sexting that that is the foreplay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there, there, there can be a still more progression of foreplay once you physically meet before you actually um, have penetrated sex with somebody. Mm, interesting. I mean, especially in terms of, you know, like coaching women uh, and men, that, you know, looking for, because that's kind of the place I'm at. I'm not openly seeking, but, you know, that how do you date? Where do you find people of a like-minded, um, like-minded, I didn't know where I was going to go with that then, but, you know, like-minded who are looking for a companion. You know, I don't, I'm not looking for a baby daddy. My dad, my child's got a father. I'm not looking for someone to pay my mortgage. I'm quite all right, but I just want someone I can enjoy time with that gets me. Where do we find them people? Especially... Like everybody on here knows my background. With my background, when's it the appropriate time to say, um, you need to know about my past because it's really quite dark? Like, like, where do we find these people? What do we do? Well, you know, I, the, where, where do I find is like the most uh, question I get asked the most, right? And it's like, it's like I may have this secret dating app that nobody knows about. Like, oh, you want, uh, uh, you know, high achieving, uh, successful, independent men and women, oh, this is this one app that you've never heard of. That's where they all are at. Um, It doesn't work like that. But a lot of it is about how you show up in those spaces. Yeah. So, I mean, I've I've coached people that have found um, long-term, meaningful, uh, beautiful relationships on everything from Tinder to eHarmony and all of the many, 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 many online dating options in between that. Cause that's kind of the two extremes, right? <laughs> like yeah. you have eHarmony, which is like, this is a site you find somebody to get married to. And you have Tinder, which for many years and still can be quite a hookup site, right? Um, it's about how you show up in that space. Mm. So well, some of the first things I do with the people that I coach that are dating is, is get really clear on what it is that they want. Right. Because we all kind of have this list and we don't realize how much a we don't know what what that list really means or what it looks like or what it sounds like and what I mean by that is almost everybody says like oh what do you look for oh you know somebody that um, has a good sense of humor you know we can have a laugh that's probably in the top ten right um, somebody that um, has their own thing going on and so I can have my own thing going on uh, somebody that's uh, really kind and we use these words and one of the first things I do when they give me all these words is that we go back and I ask them to define what each one of these words means to them uh-huh. because here's the thing right somebody who's funny has a good sense of humor okay so if I think dry witty uh, British 
humor is funny. And you think slapstick, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe really dirty stuff is funny. We both have a good sense of humor, but we don't have the same sense of humor. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like what I might consider, like, how do I know when somebody's kind? Like, what do people, kind people do? And that's what I say to them, like, first to find the word. And then if somebody, right, had your same sense of humor, what comedians would they be into? What TV shows would be into? Because that's when you're looking at all these profiles or you're sending those first messages or you're writing your own profile. This is the stuff that you want to highlight. So an example of that is like if you looked at somebody's profile and they said, you know, um, my favorite comedian is Michael McIntyre uh, and uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, if you're somebody that also really loves Michael McIntyre's humor, you kind of already know that you have the same sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, Other people might be like, you know, that is the least thing that I find funny in the world, which is fair. But that means that we're not necessarily going to have the same sense of humor. No. I'm focusing on that. You know, we don't have to live and die by whether we have the same sense of humor, but just as an example. So mm-hmm. getting really clear on what they're looking for and making sure that they are showing up on these dating uh, profiles very authentically, but also really specific. Because if you put out this really general I'm looking for companionship. <laughs> I know, but it's like, so what, what does companionship look like to you? Cause it's going to be defined differently by somebody else. So it's like, instead of saying, I'm just looking for companionship, you know, uh, my, my ideal partner is someone that we get together on the weekends and we, uh, you know, go out bowling and then go out for some drinks, or we go out to the farmer's market first thing in the morning and have a nice brunch after. Like, that's what I'm looking for in companionship. Yeah, somebody yeah. to travel with. Now, again, big thing on everybody's list. Oh, I want somebody who wants to travel. And if your idea of travel is going to Benidorm for a week, right? Um, and sitting by the pool and, uh, and, and, and that's it, right? With a book in front of the pool in Benidorm. Beautiful. Not my idea of travel. Exactly. Right? And somebody else's idea of travel is hiking the Tibetan mountains and camping. Not my idea of travel, but God bless you. So it's, again, we want to be more specific so that we're calling in and attracting a more specific person. And it's being defined in what it is you want, because I said all them words, you said, you know, I was thinking all that, someone who's kind, someone who's honest, I want a companion. But actually, when you were speaking, I was sitting there thinking, actually, well, what does that mean to me? You yeah. Know, what does that look like? What's the level of contact? And I suppose it's really about figuring out what that person wants as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And also like, what does it look like and sound like people that, because, you know, the last, unfortunately, online dating, and especially those first dates can feel very much like an interview, right? Like we're being interrogated or we have to interrogate. So like another big thing is people say, I want somebody whose family, family is really important to them. So instead of showing up and either messaging or showing up to a coffee date and saying, is family important to you? What's your favorite comedian? Where does he like to travel, right? Is like allowing that to come out in conversation. So somebody who's who really values family, right? Will be saying things like, oh, sorry, I can't meet up on Sunday because, you know, every Sunday we do a roast at my mom's. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, hey, you know, what was Christmas like for you? And Christmas is always, you know, all the family comes around from all over the country. It's, you know, it's totally crazy, but it's a big laugh. And we, you know, that's 
how that's what somebody whose family is very important to them. Or they say things like, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to be able to meet up because my son has a game and I, you know, and I always show up for his games. Yeah. So, so it's that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, versus, so you don't necessarily have to go into full interrogation mode, um, but to kind of allow people to reveal themselves, but know what you're looking and listening for. Yeah. That's interesting, actually. That's really interesting. Um, and so in terms of overexposure, you know, how much do you sort of reveal on a first day is the, is the other real question. Very little. Really? Okay. That's yeah. Cool. So I, would... I think a lot of people, especially people in recovery, right? Because we, especially if you're in a, a 12-step or similar kind of fellowship-based, right? We have a, a, um, a, a lifestyle of absolute... Uh, honesty, transparency, and vulnerability. Like we walk into a room of strangers, raise our hand and go, blah, 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 right? Like, um, and that's necessary in that arena, but it's a very specific arena, mm, yes. you know? And so in the same token, you typically wouldn't go into most job reviews and say, you really need to know about my past because it's kind of dark. I like how you said that then most job interviews and I suppose a first date is exactly that isn't it it's that will we won't we are we do we like each other what's going on you know what I always tell people like the only thing to the only question that you're really trying to answer on a first date is do I want to see this person again ah see now that's that is not are they the one right (laughs) how much do I tell them because I was on a I was on a first date recently and this guy lovely guy it's not going anywhere. And, you know, I said, well, my past is quite dark and it ended up coming out. And what I actually think come off the back end of that was his expectation of what was then going to happen mm-hmm. without revealing too much. So I can't be asked today, but it, you know, it, and that was a real eye opener for me in terms of, okay, he was really transparent. I was really transparent, but then he had an, an, an idea of who I was going to be. Like there was an absolute yeah. second date, which there wasn't. I was very really honest with him. So, yeah, that's really interesting to sort of the first dates about. Well, you know, one of the retreats that we did, uh, the Phoenix Rising retreats we did was around um, shame and sex. And, and a lot of the work that uh, I did at that is directly inspired by Brene Brown's work, who does a lot of work around vulnerability and shame and intimacy. And that kind of like, I need to disclose right away mm. is kind of what she would describe as the shock and awe, right? Or the smash and grab. And what it means, like in a smash and grab burglary, right? You run up to the window, smash the window, grab the, and run, right? Or you come in and, and, uh, and I like to call it the um, flasher, right? The person that comes in with a trench coat and flashes, right? That type of behavior is actually really repellent. Yeah. Because yeah. it is too much. And yeah. we don't realize that one of the main, we think that we're being honest and there's that part of us that's telling us that. But deep down inside most likely what's happening is there's still that absolute shame around it. And it's a way of actually keeping somebody at a distance and avoiding intimacy. Because mm-hmm. we say, well, if you can't handle this. Then you can't handle me. Right. Yeah. And, and the think- reality is, it's like that, that's, that's just, that's immediately putting up um, some walls up. Right. Like here's the, here's the hoops that you've got to go through. Yeah. And a back door. And so if I you don't get off. scared and run away, then maybe. Yeah. You'll love. And what it comes out is we say to ourselves that maybe you're worth it. But really what we're saying is if you don't get scared away by this, then maybe, maybe, maybe I might just be lovable, even though all these things happen to me. Yes. 
Absolutely. And so we're trying to, there's this part of us that's trying to um, recreate the rejection, right? Because again, disclosing too much, and we've all been there, like you go up and maybe you, you, you meet somebody at a, at a meeting or, and, or that coworker, right, that you meet and all, immediately they're like, what, what, you know, and they're telling you all this personal stuff. And tell me that you don't take a step backwards. No, no, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you're, because you're already like, well, this is a bit much. It's a bit messy. Like, I don't even know you yet. Right? Like, especially, it's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because it is naturally kind of repellent when people overshare and overexpose and disclose too quickly because it's trying to short circuit intimacy and intimacy doesn't work that way. No. So, what we're doing is like, you know, nine out of 10 times, people are going to take a step back from us because that's the, natural response to it but we see it as a further confirmation of why we're not lovable now seeking evidence saying told you exactly yep. yeah uh-huh. isn't it intriguing yep. how our behaviors can can be actually the opposite of, of what we think our intention is it's um yeah. it's a minefield it is it can be so yeah i mean your original question is like how much do you tell like it's it's i mean and this is so for me and my, so my story is right. Like um, I, I like to always say I'm a recovering love life train wreck. Choo choo hot mess express coming to a train station near you. Like I don't come to this um, from a place of like, I've always been absolutely just totally Zen at relationships, like not at all. And dating was as much uh, a process of self-discovery regardless of what it should show. I mean, the things I got myself in and out of while I was dating, it's just, I mean, I should have written a book. It's hilarious and, and horrific at the same time. It's like a horror movie that you can't help but laugh at. But the same token, I learned so much. I didn't know how to date. Yeah. I knew either how to sleep with somebody right away or I knew how to be, I, I was the second date relationship girl, right? Like I, either serial monogamous or just sex. Like there was no in between. Yeah. And I needed to learn how to date. I needed to learn how to like discover what somebody's favorite color was, um, what they like to do for fun, um, you know, what, what type of humor that they had, uh, who their favorite sports team was, or what kind of music did they like to listen to? I didn't know how to do any of that until like I was already six months into a relationship and being yeah. like, who are you? And how did I get into this? And we have nothing in common. And dating, that whole concept of dating. I mean, I know it's, I'm not dated in America, but I know the two are really different. Like you can go on many experiences out here. It's like you go on a date and you've seen each other. Like yeah. it's this one date thing. Because I'm really up for it. I want to just go on dates because I ain't got a clue what I want really. You know, yeah. like I want a companion. I want someone kind. I want someone funny. Like <laughs> something to chill with at the weekends. But you're right. I have no so. Is it okay to just go on an abundance of dates? Sure. Why not? And I, I often, you know, the, there's, especially if people are more high anxiety daters, and what I mean by that is they have more of an anxious attachment, right? Like they meet somebody and they have like one really good date and they're like, that's it. I don't want to see anybody else. Like this could be it. This is the one. Like people that have that kind of language that are yeah. like that heat seeking missile, right? Um, I strongly recommend them to date multiple people at the same time, not for months on end or anything, No, 
But it's like, yeah, you can go out and you can be online, right? You could be chatting to a few people. You can go on, on a date with somebody on Thursday and you can go on another date with a different person on Saturday and another first date with somebody on Sunday. And then, you know, and then from that pool of people, right? Like somebody's going to drop out, whether because you don't want to see them again or they don't want to see you again. Yeah. But what happens when we spread our focus, right, is two things. One, we don't hyper-focus in and be like, right, this is it. You know, like this, this has got potential. This could be the thing. This could be the one. This is right. And then when it doesn't work out, right, that rejection, right, either, even if we didn't like them, the disappointment mm. of being like, oh, I really thought this time. Yeah. Right. Um, is so much greater because we were so focused on, you know, only having one egg in the basket. Mm-hmm. But if we have a few eggs in the basket and somebody ghosts and the other person after a second date, we're like, nah, you, you don't have that same level of devastation or disappointment or rejection because you're like, okay, well, I still have a couple more dates to go on. And it helps to kind of calm that anxiety actually down. Yeah. If that makes sense. Make perfect sense, yeah. You know, while somebody who's more avoidant, right? Like we need to be careful because the avoidance always kind of, well, there could be something better out there is a classic way of keeping everybody at an arm's distance. So a different kind of technique for that, but, you know, absolutely go on lots of dates, figure mm-hmm. out what you like and you don't like. Um, like I said, it was more of a, a process of self-discovery. I learned yeah. so much about, I learned on each date, I probably learned so much more about myself than I did about the person across the table. Really? That's really yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, cause I had no idea what I wanted, what I liked, what I didn't like, you know, like what was important, what wasn't important. And even then, sometimes you think, okay, this is what's important. And it, it can, you know, there's always some, needs to be some flexibility without compromising too far. Yeah, I suppose. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big one, isn't it? That you kind of figure out what you want, but it can't be so rigid that, you know, I'll tick you off a list, tick you off a list. There has to be some sort of compromise when you meet somebody, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and it's, you know, it's interesting. So like I, I often tell this story. So my husband, right. I've been married now for together for 13 years and married for 10. Um, the day I met him, so we met online. Yeah. Um, but the day we actually first met and, and I always encourage people to, to take the word first date um, off the table. I always call it a first meet or a drive by. Yeah. And so I tell people the first time, especially if you're online dating, right, is you just meet for a cup of coffee or a walk in the park or an ice cream, like 30 minutes, something that's set up to be really casual and very short. Um, and so we did that, right? Now, that day that we met for that cup of coffee, I was on my way back uptown. I was living in New York City at the time from a lunch date, right? Like a proper first date with someone it was on lunch. Met my husband, Mark, for coffee. And then later that night um, was meeting somebody else that uh, wasn't serious at all. Yeah. And again, I think it's that socialization that women think, well, if I'm really serious about this, I can't be um, having sex with people or I can't be uh, doing anything that's not serious. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, or I can't be dating multiple people if I'm going to be, and it's just not true. Um, you know, I met him for a cup of coffee and, and it wasn't like I walked in and was like, oh, oh my God. Love at first sight. Love at first sight. Right? Like, it was more about, and, and the moment, it was more about saying, huh, there's something really interesting here. I don't know exactly what it is yet, 
but I want to find out. Yeah. And on that date, as we sat chatting, the moment for me was um, he, the, you know, they, in the coffee houses, they have this little communal water jug and he's going up to get himself some water. And he asked me, would you like to get some water? And I said, yeah, absolutely. That would be lovely. Um, a, right. He gets a little gold star, right. Thoughtful, considerate. Yeah. But that wasn't it. I'm watching him go over to this water jug. And he was so nervous that it was jiggling Aww. and he was spilling water all over the place. Right. And then he looked back at me and he saw me watching him and he said, you didn't see that. I said, I saw nothing. <laughs> but that there was this little snapshot of something really vulnerable and beautiful that yeah. really piqued my interest, especially in the world of dating where everybody's trying to put on a show. Yeah, right, like we all send the representative. Don't get yeah, me wrong. The representative much better version than me. Yeah, you know, like, but there's always this game or stuff. And it, I was there was something so genuine about that. Yeah. And you know, listen. A week later, we were out for a proper dinner. We had a great time. We, you know, wandered the streets afterwards for hours talking. Um, and and here's a really funny that that first date, right? So gets to the end of the date, right? And I'm like, here comes the hot makeout session is what I'm thinking. Because again, mom's still kind of really screwy with what is and is not dating. So like for me, I think uh, a really first good first date ends with a really hot makeout session on somebody's front porch that I don't live on. You know, like just randomly on the streets of New York City. I don't. And he literally gave me this quick peck. Oh, I think it was on the cheek and ran. Oh, bless it. And I remember calling like my, my uh, you know, mentor at the time and being like, I don't know what just happened. I thought we had a really great time. And, and she said, you know, Jessica, not everybody's idea of how a really great first date ends is with this really hot makeout session yeah. randomly on the streets of New York City. Yeah. And, it, I, you know, so I was still learning. Still learning, you know, even on that first date with the guy who, you know, wound up being my husband. Of like, oh, okay. So that's not what it has to be in order for it to this overly sexualized version of connection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you just hit the word that, you know, now that the connection, yeah, that connection and that energy that you can have with one person, you're not necessarily going to have with somebody else. And it's about them, that connection and energy matching. Yeah. Mm. Tricky yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. Like and listen, I'm, I'm, you know, big, big in the monogamy game. Um, but I, I don't believe in the one. In fact, that's the first thing I ask clients to ban from their language. Like we're getting, because that's just all scarcity mentality. Yeah. There's not enough, right? Like there's not enough time in the day. There's not enough money in the world. There's not enough this and enough. And now you're trying to tell me out of the billions of people on this planet, I only get one. One? What if I, what if I already met them and I didn't realize it? What if they're living in a different country? What if we were getting on the wrong train in different cars? Like I'm already hyperventilating thinking about that. So like I believe in soulmates, plural, um, but I don't believe that you only get one opportunity with one person to experience unbelievable, wonderful, uh, you know, heart wrenching love. No, I think, yeah, and I like that, you know, because it asked, it's been, I've been asked a question, I've been in love before, and it, the instant answer, you want to go, no, but actually, that's not necessarily the truth, you know, there's been connections with other human beings, it doesn't mean that they're my person right now, you know, and I'm always saying, but, you know, wanting to find my person, but that, you're right, that's really limiting. Yeah, you know, person. and my, listen, my husband is, you know, the great love of my life, have yeah. I been in love before? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. When I look back, especially when I was really young, like it's, it's almost laughable, right? What I considered love, but it was real then. It was all I knew of what love was at that time. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was in love with the, you know, that first person I was in love with, you know, uh, the guy I lived with for many years. Absolutely. See, I really like that because I've really sort of, you know, stunted that and been like, no, never felt it before. But actually, if I was to take myself back, okay, it might not have been love, but it felt real then. And there was something going on in my body then with that person. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know, something in your heart, in your spirit, you know, in, in your loins, wherever. Like, you know, there's that connection. And so I had all that with those people, um, you know, who I was at the time and the, the, my ability to actually participate in a truly loving, healthy, thriving relationships mm-hmm. was not very, not very much, uh, but it was the best I could do at that time. And so it was absolutely. Mm-hmm. And getting the two confused as well, you know, like a, a connection and having feelings for someone or having a connection and a feeling with someone, like the, the two yeah. really entwined and really different, difficult to distinguish. Okay. What is this a heart? moment or what is this a, a lust moment which which yeah. mm. you know i mean listen the sexual chemistry is is something in of itself and and you know i think also that word chemistry is really overused uh in in the realms of love and dating and all that stuff and um uh, part of what i think is kind of really wrong with dating is that we right now is that we don't understand that the spark and chemistry are two different things so by definition, so chemistry is the combination of uh, various elements and then adding to that a catalyst, which creates something new. So that's what chemistry actually is. The catalyst is the spark. So if you just have the spark, you don't have chemistry. If you just have all those elements, but you don't have that catalyst or that spark, you don't have chemistry. So everybody's so, but they're so focused on the spark. Like, oh, I went to the state and I just didn't feel the spark. Yeah. And, you know, Sometimes that spark can be only sexual, right? Like we can have really great sexual compatibility with somebody, but no compatibility or chemistry in other areas of our lives. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I always say you also have to look at those little old couples, right? Like, you know, the little old couple that's walking hand in hand or sitting on the bench together, you know, all the years later, I'm going to, I'm going to put money on. It's not the great sexual chemistry that's still keeping them holding hands. Oh, yeah. You know, it's about a life shared. It's about common interests and common hobbies, but also their own individual relationships and their own individual hobbies. You know, there has to be more than just a great time in bed. No, and I don't suppose that leads quite nice on to what would you say is a good recipe for longevity in a relationship? You know, you know, because we've all been there and it's got style. I mean, I'm 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 recently divorced, God bless him, you know, yeah. and I'm not going to go into that, but you know, what's how do you build that longevity? What do you do to you know the seven year itch? Yeah. How do you maintain you know when you love this person and it goes a bit stale, goes a bit. Yeah, I mean, so for me, one of the things that especially clients that come to me, you know, couples is very much, um, so, you know, I hear a lot of phrases like, I don't know if we're, I mean, I love this person, I don't know if I'm in love with this person anymore, or. I don't know if I love them anymore or uh, has the love died? And again, we focus on love, 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 love. And I'm a love coach. So, you know, I'm, I'm guilty um, of overusage of that word, if you will. But the reality is, is that you can't put the cart before the horse. And what I mean by that is that the, the cart is love. Right. So in that cart that we call love, right? We pile things 
things like children and houses and holidays and businesses and all kinds of stuff, right? Like a life lived. But what pulls that cart, what actually pulls it through, especially the hard times, the life on life times, COVID, being locked up in a house 24-7, 365, seven days a week. Like I have been with my husband, who's still working from home, you know, like, you know, who I love dearly, but I wish we'd get that out of my house, right? Like that kind of stuff, loss, grief. What pulls that cart through is the horse, the horse's horse's connection. So if we focus on connection, what connects us, what feeds our connection, then we can get through anything and that longevity and that seven year itch and all of it. But when we get, the moment we start to disconnect, the love starts to die, it starts to wither, you know, and the cart stops moving. Yeah. And so when people talk about like, what gives me longevity and I always focus on connection, um, respect. Mm. And respect means like respect for myself, respect for my partner. And there's a level of not like just, oh, I'm not disrespectful, but also pride. I'm proud to have that person as my partner. I'm proud to be the woman that I am. I'm proud, right? Like trust. Because all, all in all, especially long-term relationships, committed, and the word committed is right there, commitment. It's about safety. Yeah. It's about knowing I'm safe with this human being, physically, but also emotionally, mentally, financially. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can let my drought show when I'm with this one person, my shoulders drop from my ears, right? Yeah. And the stresses of the day, right? And it's not because we never argue, we don't have a little bitter, you know, bickering and stuff, but because I can trust them. But yeah. I also trust myself. Yeah. So when I work with couples, I, I work with their dynamic, but I also really work with the relationship they have with themselves as individuals as well. Which is hugely important, isn't it? Because you're bringing that into a relationship. You want a healthy relationship, you need two healthy participants in that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who both have a, a good elevated level of self-esteem and self-worth, who feel confident in themselves and expressing and communicating, right? And have respect for themselves as well as their partner. Yeah. And that connection, you know, is, is really feeding that. And that leads to the intimacy and everything else. And um, you know, one of the things that I love to use when we, we did a, a retreat on intimacy and uh, the thing I sent uh, the attendees, I paired, you know, they all went away in pairs and we did something called the intimacy experiment, which is based off of a uh, experiment run out of the U.S. featured in, um, I think it was the New York Times, but basically it's a bunch of scientists wanted to see, can you make people fall in love? And can they do it in, you know, an hour or two hours, right? Like, and by in love, we're talking about that intense feeling of adrenaline that releases because being in love, right, is basically being high, by the way. So when we in love with somebody, we feel that intense, like our brain actually releases a whole bunch of chemicals. Yeah. A whole bunch of chemicals. And that's where we're like, I'm in love. Maybe we can't see anything. We don't see the differences, right? We're like, love. Um, because we're actually quite high, but they wanted to see if, if, you know, and, and so it's called, I call it the intimacy experiment. So you go away and you, with that partner and you spend um, probably about an hour answering uh, about four or five sets of questions and each set, right. You talked about how much do you reveal? So the first set of questions, you know, um, if you could invite anybody to dinner, who would it be like, they're, they're interesting. They're just beyond what's your favorite color right? But not too far beyond that. And the second set, right, is a little bit more 
um, intimate, a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more inquiring in the third and the fourth set. Um, and by the time you get to the last set, it's starting to get into what was your childhood like? Yeah. What's your biggest regret in life, right? And then at the very end, what you do after you've shared that with that person and, and you both like, you answer the question, then I answer the question because intimacy is about mutual exchange, right? Mm -hmm. So it can't just be one person who's answering the questions. Like there's gotta be that mutuality or one people, person's just exposing themselves and the other person isn't. By the time you get to the end of answering all these questions, the experiment asks you to sit and look into each other's eyes, not a staring contest, but look into each other's eyes for four whole minutes. Wow. That's a long time. And the bond that comes from doing that experiment induces that intense connection that we experience when we're falling in love. Wow. And it's, you know, really amazing. And the women that have been on this retreats that have done that, their partner, who I always, you know, because I'm mean, right? I always say, oh, find somebody in a room that you don't know. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're not cheating, right? Like, you're not coming. Not with the person you drove up with that your room and land that you've known for 10 years, right? Like, um, wind up, you know, having this intimate bond that lasts them for retreats and retreats and retreats and years, you know, because yeah. you've, you've mm -hmm. connected with someone. Yeah. There was no kissing. There's no touching. I didn't see if to go make out or have sex. Like, not even in the equation. And that's the difference, isn't it? Intimacy, and, and I'm guilty of it, you know, intimacy, you know, it, it involves sex. I mean, I don't believe that now, but it's something that I did believe. You're an into me, you see. Into me, you see. You see, exactly. Yeah. And again, for women, because of the way we're socialized, sex is probably, we, we've, been, we've been taught that that's the most vulnerable we can be. Mm. The most exposed, the most vulnerable, let alone, like I said, add some horrific, sexual experiences, right? Sexually assault, rape, you know, transactional sex, molestation, any of that stuff. Yeah. But every girl's kind of like, well, this is the most vulnerable. So we also, the, the difference between men and women is that we link sex to being incredibly vulnerable and therefore incredible intimacy. But men aren't necessarily socialized or taught the same things. No, absolutely not. And that's not their fault. That's not, that doesn't make no. me wrong. Like, I mean, the only way we can change that is by starting to raise our own kids differently. I do with Oscar, mm, my child. You know? mm. And uh, it's 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 a scary thing. Like I have, you know, I had a baby uh, almost a year and a half ago now, a little girl. How is she? Oh, she's fabulous, cheeky, cheeky monkey, absolutely. But you know, I mean, what Mark and I talk sometimes, and especially for him to understand, like the horrors of 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 what it's like to be a woman in this world that our daughter is most likely going to experience sexual assault like nine out of ten yeah at some point in her life and walk down the street and be afraid that she might die and um be harassed and, and harassed and have to you know like all of that is is it's, it's a really unfortunate thing and it, it's this is a very general thing and it's uh not the kindest thing but there there is something to it like one of men's one of most men's greatest fears is that they will be that, you know, a woman's going to laugh at them. Right. And one of women's greatest fears is that some man's going to kill them. What a fucked up world we live in in that way. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, how different those two like worst case scenarios mm -hmm. um, are. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. It's a whole nother podcast. We'll definitely have to get you in. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you set yourself up there hugely. You know, it's like, so I, I, yeah, so I'm always worried, like, how am I going to raise her to be, have that self-worth and that confidence that it took me so many years yeah. uh, and so much work on myself and to get to that point. Like, mm-hmm. I prefer for her to not have to wait until she's in her, you know, 30s and beyond mm-hmm. to have that kind of power. Because we're not the only ones putting the input in there, are we? Because it's the society dynamic of how, you know, outside of the family home that we're taught as young women or young boys and and the messages that we're fed as young women and young boys that we take on. So we're we're really, and I don't want to say this, but it feels like we're fighting a losing battle, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, like I said, I have a little girl and if she's not wearing pink, and, and she rarely ever wears pink, by the way, because it's, you know, I'll dress her in boy stuff. I don't care if it's cute, she's wearing it, you know, like uh, if it's on sale, even better. But <laughs> even if I have her in, like, you know, she's been in like pale yellow and she gets misgendered all the time. Yeah. And then somebody will be like, oh, it's because of her hair. I'm like, well, she's a baby. So she's not going to have a lot of hair. Like most of them don't. So I don't think that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we don't realize how um, indoctrinated we are. Definitely. Let alone if she's sitting somewhere, she could, you know, and, and playing with a truck or car mm. instead of a stroller. Yeah. And also when we have other people coming with little boys, oh, isn't he, isn't he clever? Isn't he strong? And little girls, isn't she pretty? I've been guilty of it. Yeah. I've been guilty. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know. Aren't like, you a good girl? Yeah, yeah. Aren't you a good girl? Isn't he strong, clever boy? You know, yeah. isn't she pretty? And the language that we use, and as I said, I've been guilty of it. Yeah, yeah. When they're small tots. Yeah. Mm. We all, I mean, it's, 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 again, it's in, it's like part of the fabric of our lives at this mm-hmm. point, you know, um, how, what words we associate. And so like, I'm always constantly like, I tell Margot she's beautiful, but I also make sure I tell her she's brave, you know, clever, and clever yeah. and smart. And, you know, and then sometimes I try to convince her she's tired. So she takes a nap, but that doesn't work as well. No, no, tired, you're hungry, you need to eat your vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mindful, absolutely mindful. But I think we, we can slowly start changing what we're doing. Yeah. And I think what well, I don't and think it is. I mean, it, it is changing. It's just, you know, if, if, <clears throat> if anybody's listening to this podcast and you're, you know, I don't care if you're in your 20s, let alone your 30s, or your 40s or beyond, like we're dealing with, and, and that's where I say, like, I wish it wasn't true. Mm. But the reality is the re- what the reality is. And the reality is, is that if you, you know, are there stories of people meeting and having some, you know, uh, we met, uh, we were drunk, we had, you know, had sex, and now we've been married and have two kids. Are there stories like that? Absolutely. But for every one story you hear that that drunken one night stand or non-drunken one night stand that turned into, right, something amazing, there's at least 10,000 that didn't. So, you know, I say, wait, have fun, get to know somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And that's all I try to encourage. It's like this is supposed to be fun. Like we, we, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that anymore. And you've talked to people like, oh God, you know, they say things like, oh, dating is just so hard. I mean, I haven't been dating in years, but it's just the worst now. And it's like we just have this preconceived notion, or experiences have helped inform them. And it's like, but it's supposed to be fun. Like it's just that first date or the first time you meet up somebody. It's just the whole intention is. I just want to get to know this little person and have a good time. Yes. Like, you know, like when you go and you go somewhere and you, you connect with people and you make friends with them, that's really fun. But I've, Absolutely. I've had the same, I've said the same thing. Oh, it's so hard out there. I've been on two days, three days. 
<laughs> so hard out there. So hard out there. Like, it's a mind throw. I've been on three days. Oh, really nice days. You know, like, so you're right. Yeah. There, and you know, as an empowerment coach, our language matters. Yes. Of course. So it's like we, you know, when we use language like that, it's it it's already coloring our experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm the worst one for it in my own life. And if I had someone come up, a client come up, he certainly isn't it's something that I'd be I'd be pulling them up on, you know, why are you using this language? This is this is like you said, meant to be fun, but it is is um it's different when you try and take your own spoon of medicine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's 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 great to and absolutely have an intention. Like I'm dating, but my my intent is I want to find meaningful, long term, committed, gorgeous, beautiful, loving relationship. Absolutely, keep that. You know, but those first couple times you meet up with somebody, it's just about, are, can we have a laugh? Like, can we have some fun? The same way, like if we were going to meet up, you know, and I say, hey, Liz, come in, you know, let's go into London, let's go to a show, right? Like, you wouldn't have this whole other agenda in your head. No, I'd be like, sweet, when am I coming? Yeah, like, right. We're like, oh, great. Well, what can we, and we would say, like, what's something fun we could do? Yeah. Why aren't we doing that with dating? Make it so. Safe. Like, I also encourage people, like, to, I keep using the word coffee date, but by all means, please diverge from that. Yeah. Like, I've encouraged people to do, I've had uh, clients have done, um, they meet somebody at the driving range and they just drive golf balls for a while and chat, um, go for walks, uh, go for, uh, I don't, you know, when I say go for a walk, please, by all means, any public, well lit, day lit place, <laughs> you know, like safety right first, ladies. Yeah. Uh, safety then- first. But like to do something that's even activity based, you know, than just sitting across a table, because that kind of turns it into that interview feeling is I'm here, my cup of coffee, you're there, you know, is to, to find, go, go to a, uh, my, in New York, my favorite first date place was uh, called Fat Cat. And it was in the West Village, it was a jazz club, and it was deep in the basement, but it was also this huge games room. So there were pool tables, and there were ping pong tables, and foosball tables, and they had a jazz, and there was couches. And it was like my go-to spot because you're, you're, you're able to just have some physicality of movement. Yes. Instead of just sitting as well, there's some, you know, you're not, there's some music going on, but not so loud that you can't talk and just have a bit of fun together. Mm, I like that. You know, taking the regiment. Playful. Yes. I like that. Mm. You know, so finding, you know, those little spots um, and, you know, it's not like, the internet is still anonymous enough that if you have the same first date place, it's not like all the guys are talking about it. She take you to that? Oh yeah, she took you to that place too. <laughs> Nobody will know. It's like that video, right? They'll know. Nobody will know. <laughs> yeah. The whole dating app thing is a whole, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, I've been on one yeah. and came off. I think I've yeah. got more men than actually spoke to. But yeah. You know, how you know. somebody, you know, you, you know, reaching for the same vegetable pie. At the, at the, yeah, at the yeah. Market, you know? It's, it's, you know, it, the, unfortunately, what online dating has done is, is and especially certain apps, it, like, it's like internet trolls, right? So now that we have this level of anonymity that I can log on and I can comment and I can make up a name and I can comment horrible things on articles, like the worst the people have come out because of that. You know, and the same thing with online dating. And, and there's just, there are some interesting apps that try to try to find ways to get around that. So like, I think it's um, Hinge uh, is a dating app that's based on friends of friends of friends of friends. So you connect your social media profiles and they're really connecting you with people that have second or third degree. So there isn't that complete anonymity. Like, you know, somebody they know, Ooh. which kind of yeah. brings a little bit of accountability. 
And what was that? Um, what was that? Hinge. It's called hinge. Hinge. Okay. So it hinges on, right? Like yeah. that you you have some friends in common. Um, happen is about people that you cross paths with geographically. So you're more likely, like if you make go to the same coffee shop, you know, it's you're going to be matched with people that also go to that same coffee shop. So in a way, it's kind of like that makes some people uncomfortable. But what it's trying to do is it's it's not like you can be a complete asshole and never see this person again because you know you live in the same neighborhoods, you probably will bump into them. So you better act right. So there's accountability. There's <laughs> exactly. Accountability. Exactly. A little bit of accountability. And that's why yeah. a lot of these new ones also ask you to hook up your social media in part to try to make sure there's, you know, cut down on any type of catfishing, which is very rare, I have to say. But also it's about that accountability. Yeah. I like You're not that. just some some, you right. know rando that you can does that stop people from doing and saying horrific things on online dating no no i mean you ever want to see how fragile the male ego is tell somebody you're not interested in them on online dating and the visceral that you can get for some of these people is just like wow you don't take rejection well do you and it's such a low level rejection it's like somebody you haven't even met yet yeah um and talked more men than i actually spoke to you know like actually got into a conversation with yeah. 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 You know, and you get somebody who sends back a message that's, you know, oh, you, you're just a seven anyways, you're trashy. It's like, well, I just said I didn't want to, all I said was no, thank you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and being called a slut. And I'm like, thank you. Like, yeah. It's like, I've never even met. There's no investment here. Like, geez, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. So, wow. Anyhow. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. It is in five to eleven, and I have thoroughly enjoyed spending this hour with you. Um, it's been a blast, and feel really blessed that you are my first guest. Um, I am just going to do something quickly. Check on Facebook because we are live on Facebook, and people can yeah. comment. I don't know whether they would have, but um, I can't see because I haven't got my glasses. So, Liz, what is the name of your podcast? If I was looking for it on Spotify. Thank you for that. Um, I was actually looking for it and I, what I, I couldn't find you. No, you're not going to find me until um, probably later on this afternoon. So at the moment, it's just a podcast with, with Liz and Wonderful Humans because um, I've been trying to brainstorm actually, because this came, when I first started doing this, it came out an ego. I was asked to do it by Crossroads um, Podcast UK, UK after an interview I'd done with somebody else. When they asked me, I was like, of course. You know, it was no real plan to find it completely because I was like, well, of course, it's a little me. Um, but then it grew and I was kind well, of like, yes, this is ego calling. Of course, I'll do it. Of course. And then thinking, Mark, mm, like, yeah. well, of course. <laughs> so, and, but then when I did it, I thought, okay, what is this about? What is my intention? And kind of what grew from that is the intention of, you know, us in this recovery community have this massive pool of amazing humans, hence the title amazing, well, wonderful humans it is now. And we get the real privilege of freely having their advice, their, their, their knowledge, their value. And I thought, if we could put that for normal muggles, normal bods, and I apologise, that is not a derogatory term, I mean that with love to people that aren't in the recovery community. And it changed just one person's life or got them thinking or they switched something up. How beautiful is that? So the well, podcast- ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Search for podcast with Liz, wonderful humans <laughs> tomorrow or later on this evening, depending on procrastination. And you'll find Liz's new podcast. And again, that's podcast with Liz. 
Oh, I love you. Thank you. No, look, I'm, I'm really. So I look for crossroads, and it was just some. I kept seeing this one, this one dude over and over again. I'm like, that's not Liz. That's not definitely not Liz. No, no, not me. No. <laughs> Which is why I thought, you know, let, let's get a bit of autonomy. Let's, you know, make it mine. So this is the first show, and it's just mine. And Aww. as I said, I've got the beautiful. I get to be your first guest. Yeah, you have. I'm so pleased. Like, and and just that he went without any glitches and. That I, I'm going to be able to, if anybody asks the podcast link, podcast link, I'm going to be able to fire it off to them. Whereas before it was like a bit itchy, itchy. So, yeah. yeah. So the name might change. And if it does, you know, when you were blowing me up then, I went all hot and like, hide me. Um, <laughs> the name might change. But at the moment, it is just like chatting with me with wonderful humans. Simple. Nice. I love it. So thank you. All right, my darling. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a great honor and privilege to be your very first guest. And I am going to definitely get you on because there was lots of little topics that we couldn't have a whole other podcast with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's been really fun. Thank you so much. And stay cool and have a best. Bye, guys. Bye, bye.